if you learn as much as you can, as often as you can, if you network your tail off, if you add value to others, and if you take consistent action to be 1% better daily, success will hunt you down. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam, Triple A Adams, and I'm really excited about having Eric Upchurch on the podcast today because I've actually been trying to get him on the podcast for more than two years, I believe. Uh, way back in, I, I think it was 2018, I went to a, uh, an event with my friend and Eric's friend, Rod Cleef. Rod Cleef was hosting this event, and I met Eric, and I, and I was like, hey, you got to come on my podcast, and here's what he said. He said, oh, no, 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 you, you, you're going to need to have this other person on your podcast. And then I, I saw him at another event and I was like, Eric, I got to have you on my podcast. He's like, oh, it's okay. How about this other person? They'll add a lot of value. And what's really interesting is that, that um, giving nature of Eric wanting to put Adam Adams in touch with this person to give them value, to give Adam Adams value um, is something that we're actually going to bring out on the podcast today. It's just the, the whole nature of, of being uh, the opposite of self-centered, uh, selfless, and just connecting people. And really what it's done to his business, I've been chasing him for, I don't know, this entire time, just saying, Eric, I really like you. I really think you're a great guy. I don't want to bring you on the podcast. Uh, and by the way, not only do I like him and think he's a great guy, um, he is general partner on over 500 doors. He is limited partner on over 500 doors. So he's, he's got a, in his portfolio about 1,100 doors that he's a partner in. It's like $43 million. Um, they've, they, what they do is they raise capital for apartment buildings. And they've been doing this for a little while. He also runs ADP, ADPI. Uh, active duty passive income, which is, there's a company where it's ADPI capital, where that's where they're raising all the money. But he also is a co-founder of ADPI for the podcast. So they've got a podcast out there as well that you should check out, especially if you have anything to do with active duty, because th their real focus is helping people that are in active duty to gain the passive income that will help them in retirement because sometimes it's difficult to really truly retire off of, off of the money that you're going to get when you retire. Like it can help you, but generally it's not enough to really live the type of lifestyle that you want if you're not finding a way to get into the passive income. So Eric Upchurch is extremely passionate about helping people get that pass passive income, especially if they're like him. He's an accredited investor. And he did this all while serving in the military. So he's an army special ops veteran who grew up in central Iowa before attending college in California. And he has a passion for educating the military community on how to create long-term wealth through real estate investing while personally investing across the country for the last 14 years. Eric Upchurch serves as the co-founder, like I said, of Active Duty Passive Income. They go, they go by short ADPI, and uh, he's the senior managing partner of the ADPI Capital, where they do all the syndications. I know this is a lot because I really uh, am impressed by everything that Eric does and everything that he is. So I want to share just a quick little bit more about his, his, his experience. Um, he teamed up nationwide first of his kind, 100% employee-owned mortgage branch, uh, real estate 
uh, brokerage as well as an insurance company, which is awesome. Uh, you're going to find out that Eric of Church is the master at connecting people. And is, so I want to really, really spend the first short uh, part of today's episode teaching you how to be a better connector because it's going to come around. It, and, and here's the thing that I made a big note of. While Eric wa- and I were talking in the, in the pre-interview, he said this, he said this quote. I, 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 he, he was like, I love connecting people. I want to connect people. It fulfills my purpose, my life purpose. And um, I had, he never really thought about this. He never brought it up. I, I was like, does it, does it come back? And he goes, yeah, it comes, uh, it comes back. So, so I want to say this before I bring Eric on. And it comes back. You do it selflessly and it comes back. Okay, remember this. You don't do it selflessly because it comes back. It's you do it selflessly and it comes back. So you're going to want to have that type of mindset. Oh my gosh, Eric, so good to have you. It's been so long since I've been like trying to get you on. I guess you're turning 40 this year, which is awesome. I'm turning 40 in a couple weeks. I don't feel like it. I feel healthy. I feel good training for that uh, half Ironman right now. Um, But yeah, I'm just really glad to be here. It feels like a long time coming. And when we met that day, almost two years ago, not quite two years ago, I didn't even know that mo- that regular people could buy multifamily. I was still doing some single family stuff and, you know, spinning my wheels and we'd done like seven single family deals and just going, oh my gosh, this refinance process is so difficult. So I'm happy to have met you. And I'm also glad to say that you caught the good end of the, of the deal of me trying to connect people. If I was able to help you out in that way, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm happy to, happy to have done that. Yeah, it's, it's been, it's been great to to know you and uh, you guys on your on your active duty passive income podcast um you've had some monsters on there huh yeah i mean absolutely and just through kind of the power of of uh if you think it it can happen i mean we're very intentional about um about taking that kind of energy and and applying it to our business and we're not just a podcast we were an education company single family and multifamily and um, and it's not just for active duty. Active duty passive income is a play on words, obviously active and passive, but we serve all veterans, anyone who has served or, or is currently serving. So we're excited to do that. We're really passionate and you can probably tell throughout this episode how fast I'm talking about it because I love, <laughs> I love what we do and we get such great feedback and it's, it's amazing to be part of it. One, uh, one additional thing that I, that I will bring up about your, just your bio is, is the book. So you are a number one best-selling author, which is incredible. So yeah, show them, show them the book again. And for the people that are not looking at the video right now, tell them a little bit about the book. Yeah, so it's Military House Hacking is the book. Uh, we put it together, Mark Yon, our CEO, um, uh, he put together the beginning of, uh, of the ebook as he was creating ADPI, our website, kind of three years ago, just kind of figuring out. He was basically just learning and wanted to help other people and just document his struggles with learning how to invest in real estate. And that's how ADPI was really born. So he had that initial piece. And then um, as we started adding team members uh, to ADPI, um, Mike and I as co-founders and then Adam and Tim, and then kind of now we have a bigger team. Uh, we started putting together our stories and writing this book. And so the book really talks about um, assets and liabilities, good debt and bad debt, some of the basic foundational stuff that the military is not teaching our service members, rightfully so. They're war fighters. They're teaching people how to secure our borders and fight wars and, and do the things that they need to do. So we feel like it's our duty now to go out and, and teach military members that there's another thing you can do out there 
to retire other than putting in 20 years and, and busting your butt and doing all the things that you do. If you do choose to do that, wonderful. But our book walks you through military house hacking, which is really the amazing benefit of being able to buy up to a fourplex with no money with a VA loan. And you can even roll in uh, construction costs with the VA loan rehab um, uh, loan. And imagine doing that. It's just you. Imagine in Denver buying a fourplex, living in one unit, it's an owner-occupied loan, living in one unit and cash flowing the other three, maybe living for free. And, and by the way, you're collecting basic allowance for housing from the government as you're a military member. Hmm. So, so you're collecting um, income from your tenants. Then you get stationed somewhere else. You PCS or permanent change of station. You move to another duty station. You can refinance that property to a conventional loan and then repeat the process at your next duty station with $0 out of pocket. Yeah. Amazing. And, and, and there, is a, there is something that, um, you know, this could change any time. It may have changed sure. since I last heard it, but as far as the VA loans, I've heard that in many cases, you don't have to refi the first Correct. one to get the 20% because it, there's like a threshold. I don't remember if it's like yep. 750,000 or some yep. other number. It was, and that where, has now been lifted. Okay. Okay. But yeah, you can, you technically could have a couple different VA loans at the same time and which is very little money out of pocket. What's the down payment for a VA loan? I know it's less than uh, it's zero. It's zero. Okay. And, I, and no PMI. Anyone could afford that. <laughs> yes. And, and, and I've no even PMI. used, I've no PMI and I've even, I've even used the VA loan um, and, and rolled in my closing costs. So literally walked away. I mean, I bought a house, my first house, it was new construction. I was stationed in, I was not stationed, but I was deployed in Iraq and I used the VA loan. Uh, my wife was stateside, stateside so she could sign for us. But um, we bought a house with a VA loan, zero money out of pocket. We walked out of that closing, off that closing table with no, we didn't write a check for anything. We rolled in all the closing costs, a VA loan funding fee as part of it. But um, I got to recoup that later, later on after I got out. So anyway, yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing loan product. And yes, we've heard of people with three VA loans simultaneously. I've personally had two VA loans simultaneously because of the cost of living in the San Francisco Bay Area. So a lot of different things you can do with that. Mm, that's incredible. I love that. So, yeah. so let's do this. Let's get in a little bit about um, really how to connect people a little bit better Ooh. because you've got some you've got some strategies that I've always been impressed with. I'm, I'm, I'm watching you and you're really, really good at it. And I want to bring that superpower of yours out to um, hopefully inspire others to be able to do it, do it easier, do it well and get great results from it. Not yeah. because they're getting great results, but, and they're getting great results from it as well. So I know that I'm really putting you on the spot. I didn't, it's, okay. it's not like you created a, a, a thing around this, but if you could kind of find a way to dissect what you do to help those who are about to go to another real estate conference, how are they going to get the most amount of results from their time there? I love talking about this, first of all. So I'm glad that you're putting me on the spot because it'll flow like water, I feel like here. <laughs> um, okay, so now that I said that, it won't, but here we go. So no, so what the first thing I would say is in my age and experience, maybe, um, I, I know myself well enough to recognize certain things that I enjoy, call it a superpower or whatever it is. I, I say sometimes that um, exercising your superpower can be selfish, but, it, but, but I say that kind of like it can also benefit other people. I say it selfishly because I know myself. I know I like connecting people. 
I know my life's mission is to educate, empower, and to help people grow. And so through the military and real estate and mentorship and things that I've always been passionate about, I get to, I get to kind of do this now. And so I would say to your audience, if you want to get good at, at intentional networking at conferences, or I don't care if it, like I was um, about to have a, a dentist appointment today, it got canceled because of what's going on right now. But, um, I network with everybody I talk to, the gas station attendant, the dentist, the doctor, everybody, and I take it the same way. And here's what you do. You have to think about the person on the other side of, of, the, of the phone or just across from you as a real person. They are a person that has a life, a family. They're looking through their eyes at you. Whether, whether or not you can physically see them or you're just, maybe you're cold calling, maybe your job in multifamily real estate is to cold call people and get leads, right? And get get deals off market. If you are intentional about saying to the gatekeeper, the person on the other end of the line, how are you? How's your day? Listen for those little cues that maybe make them think um, that this person, you are worth their time. So turn a cold call into a warm call. So it does. What I'm saying here is I don't care if you're at a conference or you're making a cold call, you need to think about what that other person is thinking. So bird's eye view of the overall conversation, where you want it to go. That's just um, kind of owning the situation and situational awareness, but then also honing into how the person's feeling. And you'll know very quickly from a lot of different cues visually, if you're standing across from them, if their arms are closed or if they're open or how they're standing, but really dig into what are they looking for? How can you help? And if you go into that relationship or that connection or that moment where you're intentional about looking for those things, and listening for those things that, they, that they're asking you for. They might say, man, I'm really having a hard time finding a deal right now. Okay, well, that's a, maybe a, a bland kind of everyone's looking for a deal right now. But if you go on to another conversation and 10 minutes later you say, man, I'm just looking for a buyer for this deal. And you're talking to somebody else over on the other side of the room. Here's where it gets fun. You, if you're intentional about doing that, you now become, this isn't just a relationship business. If you connect those two people, you just became value, valuable to you know, more people than you normally would have if you're just trying to network for yourself. So I would urge people out there to start thinking about other people always. And then you may come to me, Adam, and say, well, Eric's a great connector. He knows somebody who can come on your podcast. Or Eric, Eric's got this broker in Indiana that you can connect with or whatever. And that's great. If you're using my name, that means that you understand that there's some value in what I'm providing. And again, knowing yourself and your capability and superpower is really going to help that out. I do the things that I do uh, kind of, I say kind of tongue in cheek selfishly because I enjoy it, but it benefits other people. Yeah, absolutely. So going into the superpower, I've definitely seen you do this a lot in real life and uh, I've I've experienced it. I've, I've been a part of it and what I like about it and what I think a lot of people don't do some people do this, and that's great. Uh, I'm not bashing anyone, but I will say that I, I see a lot of people that think about themselves. They, they go to the event, and they're like, all right, what do I need to accomplish? What do I need to get out of this? Who do I need to meet? And uh, a lot of their conversations are surface-level conversations. A lot of the times that somebody else is speaking to them, they're thinking, okay, now how do I get my stuff out to you? Um, how do I give you my agenda? But it sounds like with you, Eric, up church, you're talking a little bit about like, first off, you really need to be thinking about them. 
get inside their head, think of them as a real person, listen for cues. What are they thinking? What are they looking for? How could you help? And then you listen uh, for things that they are asking for subconsciously, subliminally, like they might even say something like you said, I need to find deals or deals are hard. And then you're, you're retaining this information. That's the most important part is F. Well, that's the second most important part. The first most important part is actually listening. And then the second most important part is retaining it so that later on you're armed with that tool when you're talking to the next person who has a deal, as you say, said, um, that they're trying to get rid of. So then you're helping two people and both of them will remember you. Both of them will remember that you're the one who connected them. And those things set um, a lot of good, um, I don't know what the word would be, but I guess social equity with other yeah. people. Great term. Um, so you always, and I like, I like this quote, uh, think about other people always. <laughs> think about other people always. Yeah. Um, is there, is there, so that, that's pretty much like the first start. The, the first part is making sure that you're listening. The second part is making sure that you're retaining it. The third part is making sure that you uh, are ready and armed to, to bring those people together. Is there anything else that you enjoy selfishly as a connector um, that's going to put people together um, that, that the listener can take from today's conversation? Well, um, one thing that I, I mean, I'll, I'll go even as far as, and some of your listeners may think this is crazy, but I will go as far as sending off market. The, I just sent three off market deals um, to a friend today or uh, this week. And that I'm, I'm just not in that market. And, you know, while I could have tried to lock those up and wholesale them or, you know, do all kinds of whatever strategies, I'd rather just get the social equity, as you put it, which I love that. Um, and just say, here's, I know this is for you, the, the, check these deals out. And two of them actually looked really good to him. So um, I don't know, just, just from, it's really, it's really hard to go into a situation like that and not think about yourself into a conference, for instance, because it's, it's, it's innate, right? We're humans and we're thinking about how am I going to get the most out of being away from home and traveling to wherever you are and all of those things. But I, another thing I've really learned through this is never, ever, ever judge a book by its cover. The person in the baggiest cutoff, weird looking jeans with a hoodie and a backwards baseball cap could own a hundred hotels. You just never know. So I learned that two years ago, um, meeting some people at that first conference that we talked, that we talked at. Um, but every, every single conference or event that I've been to since then, the same thing. And I, I find myself fighting it honestly too. Um, a lot of people present themselves very well, but that doesn't mean anything. Uh, somebody driving down the freeway in a Toyota Camry could have more wealth than somebody who's renting that Ferrari sporting around town too. So it, I, I, just because I'm human, I find myself fighting that, but I'm aware of it too. You, you really got to give everybody a fair shot and have that same conversation with everybody that you, if they come up to you, especially, and they maybe want to talk to you, um, give them a shot about and actually pay attention there's so many people that are head nodders and they yeah. look at you and you're trying to maybe you're trying to just get in their circle or talk to them or whatever and they look right through you and nod trying to be nice but um you know so if you take the opposite approach to that i'm saying you're you'll 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 get further in life farther in life 
I love it. Thank you. All right. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your business. Let's talk a little bit about um, this is an inspiring story that you mentioned to me. Um, I wasn't aware of all the details of it until today, really. And it was, it was when, when we met a year and a half, two years ago, um, you were pushing other people to the podcast and you were also thinking, uh, you know, I've got to be X, Y, Z, yeah. fill in the blank in order to close on large apartments. So I'm going to be a little bit more worried about how am I going to refinance this single family or this fourplex that I bought when I was stationed in, in put name, name the city. So you were really thinking about um, single family because it, you hadn't been open up to the thought of I can do this. But in just a short time, you have your name on uh, 1,100 plus doors, 43 million, I think it was, 40 something million dollars of, the, of real estate. And it has happened in the last year and a half or two years. So I want to I dive into just kind of like your journey, uh, what it was like when you first got your aha moment, uh, what, and then what the steps were for you to start actually closing on these deals and, uh, and then talk a little bit about your goals. So what was the beginning like to get you to where you are and where do you want to go? Yeah. So to get to where I was, uh, to where I am, um, you know, buying that first house, I'll, I'll, I'll skip through some of this initial stuff because a lot of it was not knowing what I was doing. Right. Um, but so bought a house, had to rent it out cause I, I got out of the military and, um, it was cash flowing, if you want to call it that, like 80 bucks a month. And the first time the, you know, one technician came to fix the air conditioner, all my month, all my income for six months was gone. And I was frust getting frustrated with that and owned that property for about 10 years. Um, and read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So fast forward to when I was out, probably 2012, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and said, whoa, there's something going on here. Then think and grow rich. Then, you know, the, the ball starts rolling downhill with the book reading once you're, once you're in that cycle, you know? Uh, so I uh, went to a, a house or a house flipping seminar because I still was in the single family mindset. And um, the only thing I really got out of that, uh, other than knowing that I could not flip houses in the San Francisco Bay Area in 2014, um, was I got a great relationship and I was, I was living flipping in the Bay area, moving my family around with, I was buying a house, the VA loan and waiting two years or forcing appreciation, selling it, moving to another one. Did that three times. So that's kind of my, uh, my capital building phase, if you will. Uh, but then when I, when I started to team up with, uh, uh, co-found this company, active duty, passive income, um, Mark Yon, who had been following Rod Cleef, uh, sent me down to the LA boot camp that we met at. And I, on, I had, no, I'd never heard of him. I'd never followed his podcast. I didn't, I thought multifamily was for billionaires only multimillionaires only. So I sat there and that was an aha moment for me because I had realized that while drinking through a fire hose for sure at that event, that I needed something different and that there, that there's nothing harder than what I've already been through in special operations and in, in the military, then there's nothing harder out here than what I've already been through there. I mean, it, this is a real estate investing is a well-traveled path. It's super dynamic. So you can do a lot of great things and they're all different and there's always something new to learn, but physically and mentally, not even, not even on the scale of difficulty compared to what I've been through. So I said, well, what do I want? And if that's what I want, I just need to go get it and let's find a way to make that happen. 
So aha moment there for sure. Talked to one of my business partners. He said, let's go again to the next Chicago event and we'll sign up for coaching and big fan of coaching. Um, I know, you know, you're a great coach as well. And just honestly, following standard operating procedures in the military is what we do. Follow an SOP to get the job done. That's kind of what coaching is like. Michael Phelps needs coaches. So why wouldn't I need coaches? So um, following advice from people who have already, you know, been down that road is a big thing for me. I will always have coaching. I will always be in masterminds going forward for the rest of my life. And, um, you know, then it was just about exercising my uh, whatever talents or abilities that I had, recognizing them, exercising my superpowers, and then seeing what result comes from it. But I'm also a firm believer and, and kind of have developed this, this idea over the last two years um, since I've been in multifamily investing that if you learn as much as you can, as often as you can, if you network your tail off, if you add value to others, and if you take consistent action to be 1% better daily, success will hunt you down. And, and my path is a, is a perfect testament to that. Uh, in fact, everybody that I work with on our team at ADPI, that is what we live and breathe by. If you do those things over and over, it just comes to you. So um, obviously, it's, there's work involved in that. But there's a, that's the equation. It's the formula to finding success. And a lot of people miss that adding value to others portion of it. They'll say, you know, learn, network, and take action. But separately than just networking is adding value to other people because you can network selfishly. But if you're, you know, again, um, taking action to, to add value to other people, it's a critical component of that. So let's, let's talk about um, one of the deals that you closed. You select the, the, the right one, the best one. Got it. For, and what I want to share with the listener is just any aha moments, anything that you learned um, that you'll do yeah. different next time or whatever. Um, so just select the, the best one. It sounds like you already have one. Um, but with, with the hope that it really encourages somebody who's listening to get the same aha moment that you yeah. got when you were like, yeah, I could really do this. I just need to figure out how. Got it. Uh, so we closed on, uh, on our first, uh, first deal as a team, ADPI Capital, as an 80 unit and in a tertiary market. So anyone who is investing in a tertiary market, and again, this is kind of our decision um, based on the fact that we were starting a new, just a new company, kind of figuring out how to, how, how, you know, building our SOPs and what does the team dynamic look like and all that stuff. So we started out in a tertiary market, um, but we were intentional about making sure that the property we were going to buy came with a good story because we have to pitch that to our investors. Why would you buy in this hot market in a tertiary market? You know, what, why would you do that? So we found an 80 unit that, um, that has uh, had a good story. The owner owned it outright and he lived abroad and it was just poorly, ma poorly managed. Expense ratios were way too high. And, um, they weren't. They just weren't doing a lot of things the right way. A lot of deferred maintenance uh, in a great, uh, great community. We found actually they're currently building an elementary school across the street and renovating the high school and junior high, which are also across the street. So those are things that somebody on a macro level would be like, "There's no way I'm investing way out there." But we looked at it like, "Okay, here's a great opportunity." I came from a small town in the Midwest. This is a small town in the Midwest. I know that the the, the kind of mentality of the people in that area. And I know it's, it's going to be a good asset. And it turns out it, it's a great asset for us. So, but here's some challenges that we had um, and that 
we now we're going to and able to refocus on and make sure that we get them right. If you're out there listening to this right now, always be raising capital. Adam, you're really good at this, but uh, that was a that was a struggle for us. We all have we still have W two uh, jobs. We have um, five brands at Active Duty Passive Income. We have a Facebook community of ten thousand members and growing at a thousand a month right now. So there's a lot going on for us. Thankfully, we have a big enough team that we can still manage this very well. But um, if somebody else is out there, you know, wondering about some of the challenges, I mean, that's that's a big one is to make sure you have a and and uh, here's another thing. Uh, this is a 506C. We did not, we will not ever raise any money through our community. We're not offering these to military members. We are not offering them to that channel at all. Uh, we do not use our email list to market to those people for our own apartment complexes. So for us, just regular guys in the military, you know, trying to figure out who's got money, who's got my money, where is it? So it took us a couple months longer than we uh, had anticipated, but finally we got it closed. So. Oh, well, you said a lot there and I, I'm not going to sum all of it up. It was very, very good. The one question that I do have though is about the 506C. Um, you really mentioned uh, having the 506C as a, at which um, for the listener, if you, ha- if you don't know what that is, uh, Regulation D 506B and Regulation D 506 C are a little bit different. The B's for your buddies only and the C's for the big community out there. So the B for buddy, C for community. Um, so basically what he's saying is his first, this raise, he, they were ended up doing a 506C, which means they can advertise, but they can't have anybody into the deal if they're not accredited. So that means with the B's, you could have accredited or non-accredited, but you literally, they have to be close to you. Like they got to be your buddies. So the question for you, Eric, is just based on your experience with that 506C, is it going to put you into using more 506Cs in the future? Were you really glad that you did a C or would you prefer to have done a B? Why or why not? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we did a, I'm glad we did a C. Uh, ultimately, I feel like although it was difficult to raise the capital, I feel, I feel comfortable about, about doing that. And actually because of that, because we were able to advertise on LinkedIn and some other places, we now have a, um, a family office that um, we can underwrite our deal, all of our deals going forward with their criteria. And we closed on a mobile home park asset after this um, and they funded debt and equity. And so you know, there's great relationships that can be formed in the accredited investor world. And we'd like to kind of, um, to take it that way. And who knows? I mean, it, it could look like a fund down the road someday, but right now we've got so many things going on. It's one deal at a time. We even agreed right now, never doing two deals at a time anymore. It's, it's going to be one deal at a time. Um, but yeah, I, I like 506C, but there are challenges to both. It's, you know, f- uh, 506C, you can advertise to a lot of people, but who do you know? right? So it's, it's really going through that and trying to find those people. And a 506B, your buddies, it's like, well, we have tons of buddies, tons of people we know, but if they're military members, their chances are the majority of them are not accredited. You don't make enough money in the military if they're active anyway to be accredited. So, mm-hmm. and we're stuck with the idea that we're not soliciting to that group. We don't allow solicitation in our, in our community at all, including us. So, uh, so there are challenges to both, but we feel ultimately comfortable with the 506C. Um, what would be amazing is just to joint venture, just JV our deals going forward and not have to worry about it. So 
I, I would, I'm planning to inject my own capital into our deals to the point um, eventually that we don't need to raise money. And if that looks like a slow and steady progress of adding deals to our portfolio, that is totally fine. Love it. Uh, I, I got a lot of takeaways from that and I hope the listener did too. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the final five. Hey, it's Adam Adams, and I want to take a second to say thank you to one of our sponsors. Now, if you've tried to earn a full-time income flipping houses the traditional way, you know it takes a lot of money. Putting 10 or 20% down on each house adds up fast. Plus, you could lose hundreds of thousands of dollars if you get caught holding a few houses when the market crashes. Well, what if I told you that there was a better way to flip houses? A way that didn't require much upfront capital, a way that made it easy to find more fix and flip deals than you could even handle. And best of all, a way that insulated you from losing all your money in a market crash. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is a simple way to quit your job and flip houses full time. It's called Fix and List Deal. Eric Young used the strategy to quit his job, double his income, and become a self-made house flipper in less than a year. Eric's a real estate investor located in Denver, and he's perfected the Fix and List strategy over the last four years. And he's got a free giveaway. Learn how you can implement the Fix and List strategy by watching Eric's free video lessons at fixandlistsecrets.com. It may just change your life. All right, we're back with Mr. Eric Upchurch, the Eric Upchurch. So good to have you on the podcast, by the way. Thank First you question so much. for you. Thank you. First question for you is the most creative deal. If you could just walk us a little bit through that most creative deal you've ever done. Yeah, I'm actually going to step back into the single family world on this one. It's still Great. a deal. It's not multifamily. But um, so as I mentioned earlier, briefly, we um, we stumbled across. So we used the VA loan, bought a house for 500K or so in the Bay Area, which at the time was the cheapest thing we could find. Put zero down on it. I could afford the payment. So that was great. Two years later, it was worth 689. And my wife and I kind of did a, one of these double take like, wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. Is this something? Is this really something? So we, uh, you know, cashed out there, sold the place. So here's the creative, the creative one. So we bought a house next in Capitola, which is a little sleepy beach town near Santa Cruz, California, about two blocks from the ocean. And it was a four bedroom, two bath house that needed some, some repairing. So we decided to buy this with a VA loan again. Uh, purchase price was 905. And uh, we actually through that uh, flipping seminar that I went to. Remember earlier, I, I mentioned that I, I met a friend there who is actually a contractor. So he, he and I stayed in touch and he said, well, I'll help you renovate and I'll just do it at cost. You just pay my labor and all the materials. So it was a lot of back and forth to Home Depot for me uh, with my military discount. And, but we collapsed the fourth bedroom in the middle. It was oddly situated in the middle of the house. And most people wouldn't go from a four bedroom to three bedroom, but we were aware enough to look at our neighbors and find that um, a lot of them were retiring retirees from other parts of California coming to the beach. So a three bedroom is certainly okay for retirees. So we expanded the master bathroom by six feet, the living space by four feet because we collapsed that 10 foot bedroom, increased the value in nine months on this property by a quarter million dollars, sold it cash 1.158 million in nine months, paid, uh, paid taxes on it, but made a good, made good money. And we were planning to live there. I mean, that was going to be our just like sweet, chill beach spot. But, um, you know, we were looking at the numbers and kind of eyes wide open, still going, okay, there's something to this. Let's go do it again. But that one I thought was really creative, uh, because we were able to capitalize on both market and forced appreciation on a single family. And it's just interesting that you 
collapsed that bedroom. And uh, it's just like you said, it's not something you hear all the time. Yeah. What's a book you recommend? Uh, I just got done reading, well, a couple books, uh, Can't Hurt Me, David Goggins, who I plan to have on our podcast. Dude, like if I get him, that's like, that's my 2020 goal to get David Goggins. So, uh, Can't Hurt Me and then Extreme Ownership, Jocko, um, amazing books to me. They're military guys for sure, but just, just the message on those, you know, I, I love both of those books. All right. The next question is my favorite question. It just goes a little bit about where you were five years ago. I like to just understand what you were going through, what you're worried about, what uh, you were thinking. Um, and that was before you got into the multifamily. So it's going to be really yeah. interesting for all of us. What were you going through five years ago? And then the second part of the same question is where will you be five years from today? Yeah. So five years ago, I had just finished that, uh, that live and flip on the beach and uh, we were looking at our next place. And, and at that point we had under, we understood and we had accumulated, you know, I said it was our capital building phase and we had accumulated enough money to invest in our first limited partnership. So a friend of mine has syndicated over 2 billion in, in real estate. That's total coincidence. He was on my wife's gymnastics team in college and now he's, he's done a lot of, uh, a lot of syndication. So he took, he brought me down to his office and he said, Eric, here's a deal. If you would have invested this, this is what we would have paid you in the last five years. And I just said, okay, I'm writing a check. Let's go. Um, so that was great. So that was five years ago and still kind of doing that, that thing. And then, and, and trying to figure out what I could do in the single family world. I still had no idea about multifamily. I was three years away from even starting multifamily. Yeah. So when I'll go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say where I was headed in five years. Uh, so in five years, I would I plan to be donating a million dollars a year uh, to charities and families. Um, we have several charities that we give to now, but uh, one thing I'm very passionate about, which maybe we will bring up later, is uh, Veterans Community Project. But donating a million dollars a year is my goal in five years. Awesome. I was gonna I was just gonna say I know that you do sales. You're you're really great at sales. And, and um, so I was, I, I pointed out, or I wanted to point out this thing that this guy who had syndicated $2 billion, um, it's incredible. That's just an incredible number. And there's got to be a reason why. There's got to be a reason why other people are having a hard time. But I liked his approach. And I think that that approach can be something that you and I and the listener can do as well, because there's this FOMO, fear of loss and fear of missing out. And when you say something like, if you would have done this five years ago, this is what we would have paid you. There's something where it, it makes our heart sink. It's like, oh, why didn't I do that? Even though you didn't even have an opportunity like five years ago, you weren't talking to him. It still does something internally to us as we hear that. We're like, I would have been, I would have had another hundred grand right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so I'm missing out on that. And, and now it makes us be like, we got to jump in. So I think that's really interesting that somebody so successful is using that statement for, yep. for you. And it, it worked on you. It worked on me. I was like, man, why didn't I get in on that deal? I didn't even know about it. And it was like, why didn't I get in on that deal? So I'm hoping that for some of the, uh, some of the listeners who are planning on syndicating, planning on, on uh, using some of the sales psychology to just help other people to make a, a good decision for themselves can maybe use something like that. Like if you would have invested in a deal like this, uh, it would have paid you over the last five years, about a hundred grand, you know, you would have put in a hundred and you would have got about a hundred more. And I think that could be really smart. So I just wanted to bring it out. 
somebody who's done 2 billion is, I don't know if he's doing it on purpose, but uh, it definitely works. It worked, yeah, it worked for me. He did that on purpose with me because I'm, I'm new and uh, he knew me. So, but most of his clients are athletes and lawyers and doctors and, you know, people that need probably less exp- explanation about investments, but um, maybe not. So that's interesting. Actually, I wanted to ask you a question about, uh, about what, um, what you think about sample deal packets. If you haven't gone full cycle and somebody is getting, getting uh, started, you know, how do you, how do you display yeah. that? Because you could say, you could say, well, here's, here's, here's how it would look if you would have gotten in on this last deal. But if you don't have a deal yet, you know, that's a, that's a tough one. It's a question we get every once in a while too. Good. Yeah. I think, I think there's two answers. I think there's two answers. Number one is for sample deal packages. If you're thinking about using them, I completely agree. And I completely want you to use a sample deal package. You're not going to be able to say like, this is our track record. But even if you can say that this is our track record, look at what's going on with the economy is the day that we're recording. Like past performance doesn't indicate future uh, performance in, in, at any rate, in any way. However, but if you're using a sample deal package, it's always going to be about the projections. So, so on, the, on the one side, you're going to be talking about the projections. You're going to be talking about how you're you know, being conservative. Hopefully you are being conservative. And you're going to be able to say, you know, with the integrity that you and I have together, with the relationship that you and I have together, the person is usually going to be investing in a person anyways. So I suggest my clients, when I'm helping people raise more private capital, that they still do use a sample deal package, um, whether or not they have their own uh, credibility, their own experience behind it. So yes, use it, but you, you can't specifically say what that guy said. You can't say, you know, this is what our track record. You only yeah. can say what's going to happen in the future. Here's what uh, we're expecting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but I still, I still suggest it. But on the flip side, what I think can be even better is if on the very first deal that you do, you don't do it on your own. Um, I think I did it that way. I think you did it that way. I think that's the safest way to really ensure that your passive investors, their money is going to be safe. And so when, when we do the deal, we don't want it to just come on us because I'll just tell you the truth. Uh, Eric and I probably learned a ton on our first deal. We probably learned a ton more on our second deal. And we learned on the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. And as we continue to do more deals and get involved in more deals, we are becoming more wise. And so on the very first deal and the very second deal, I think you probably still need to be partnering with another team. And so it can be very helpful to use a sample deal package for the collective. Like maybe it's not your specific deal, but you could show a deal that the team that you're really partnering with, co-sponsoring with, um, kind of the track record that they have. So I think it's on both sides, whether you have done it or not, you should use a sample deal package. But furthermore, just to make sure that you're protecting your passive investors, that you are partnering in with somebody who's yeah. been through the 100%. cycle. I definitely so. agree with you on that. Absolutely. All right. Now, now we'll turn it back to me interviewing you and I'm going to ask you, how do you give back? Yeah. So uh, right now we're raising um, capital, private, private capital um, to veterans community project is a nonprofit. Um, they are building tiny homes for homeless veterans. They're two, 240 to 320 square feet and they are beautiful. They're all different. They're all different colors. They all hang American flags. They are a, um, a, an actual community, a neighborhood, and they 
They house veterans for up to two years, one day, um, and they build a 5,000 square foot community center on the same parcel of land so that veterans can get vocational rehab, dentistry, haircuts, um, you know, whatever kind of education they would need, credit repair, things that, to go out there and, um, and get their own living and just kind of integrate back into society. So they built 50 in Kansas City. That was a huge success. Uh, property values nearby are actually increasing. There's been a ripple effect. They got all veterans in Kansas City to uh, be able to ride city buses for free. And what that has translated now to is all Kansas Cityans can ride the bus for free. The city liked it so much. So everyone now gets to ride um, public transportation in Kansas City for free. So huge ripple effect across the community, improve, improving um, property values, which most people would say, well, homeless people near me isn't going to improve, you know, my property value wrong because they, they do it right. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful community uh, that they build. Next one is in Longmont, Colorado, up and up near you. And um, uh, so we're raising 35000 to build one of these. And we're, I think we're at 16000 right now as of this recording. And um, all nonprofit, uh, transparent nonprofit. And I've got all the stuff um, if anybody's interested in that. But yeah, the, the goal is uh, there are 3,000 cities in the U.S. lined up after Longmont, Colorado. Uh, St. Louis is next, then followed by Orlando to, in, uh, to put the Veterans Community Project um, to work and to, to get rid of the veteran homelessness um, issues in those cities. So it's been featured on CNN and NBC and all kinds of news outlets. And Patrick Mahomes got to go there and pretend like he was painting uh, a wall for, for a while. So, uh, but anyway... Huge, uh, huge opportunity. And we are, this decade, I have it on my vision board, we are going to end veteran homelessness in the United States this decade. Incredible. Thanks for going into that. Now, what is the one single best way for the listener to find you and get a hold of you? Facebook or Instagram, the real, or real Eric Upchurch on Instagram. But Facebook, I'm all over the place. Our, if you're a military member, former or current, um, you can get into our uh, Facebook community, which is Military Real Estate Investing, Active Duty Passive Income. You can look up either one of those. And like I said, it is a, has a 94% engagement rate in a group of 9,300 people and growing at about 1,000 a month right now. We can't keep up. Our moderators and wow. uh, an outreach team are trying to keep up, but we have 850 people pending right now just to get in. So Maybe we need to have you back on the show just to teach us how to have a Facebook community that you know, active. You know it's what awesome. it comes, to, it comes down to? What? Adding value. There Engagement and adding value just like we Love talked it. about today. Love it. All right, Eric, I really appreciate you coming on the show. The link to get a hold of you is going to be just in the show notes. So if you're listening right now, just scroll down, click that link. You'll be able to reach out to Eric Upchurch, find his Facebook page. Um, Eric, I just want to say thank you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for your giving heart, like everything that you are. I really appreciate it. Really love having you. L really love diving into everything that we did today. Um, a lot of value. A lot of value you had for me and for the listener. I'm going to let you go, but until next time, my friend, think outside the box. This is Jason J. Lou Lewis, co-host of the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I want to say it's an absolute honor to have you as a listener, and we thank you for tuning in today. We also want to thank our sponsor, FixAndListSecrets.com. They have that great free video lesson, and in that video lesson, you will learn to never struggle to find or fund your next fix and flip deal again. Learn how to flip houses without ever taking out a mortgage or a hard money loan. You can now flip houses full-time 
and not have the risk of losing money in a real estate market crash. There's a simple way to flip houses full-time, and this is it. Visit FixAndListSecrets.com. See you on the next episode.